0: Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Continue today with the Vimalakirti Sutra, but uh, before we do, I'd just like to take a moment to talk a little more to folks who may not be used to a uh, four-hour sitting and uh, find it a little hard. Uh, actually, a four-hour sitting is a pretty standard as one block of sitting in a monastery uh, uh, each day. You know, between the the sittings they do, and then they kin-hin, and uh, maybe they're off to some other activity. Uh, uh, four hours is kind of like what they call before breakfast. <laughs> and if you go to uh, many a Zazen-kai here in Japan, some of them are only a couple hours long, like we do, but uh, uh, most I, I went to for lay people are about four hours because you, you get uh, the, the two or three sittings, and then you get... Uh, Kin Hin, and plus uh, then the the Roshi babbles on. You know, that's what that's what the teachers do. We 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 got a captive audience, so we babble on for a while. And when you do it, it's very, actually very. What we're doing here is structured by me, very much like uh, most of the lay Zazenkai I experienced at the uh, Sojiji uh, Head Temple for about ten years. They were four hours long. The one difference, uh, they would clean the. Uh, they would clean the uh, the the toilets and the uh, other parts of the zendo at the end, and uh, and uh, so maybe we should add that. I should at the end of this, I should have you all grab a rag and run for your bathroom and start scrubbing. But uh, maybe maybe next year we'll add that. But uh, the one thing I want to say is a zen uh, sitting should be a nice balance of what you'd say, not punishing, but a little disturbing, not so easy. You know, we were about the middle way, and let me explain the reason for that. Our, our sittings are supposed to be a little, how to say, tedious, boring. the The mind wants to stay active. I just ran in the house, you know. I couldn't resist to keep my. I confess, I couldn't resist to keep my hands off the computer for a second because there was something I had to check for work, my translation work, and uh, and then okay, well, let me just look over what's going on a tree leaf, and there I am, right. I'm supposed to be in the retreat with you guys, and I'm in there, you know, with the mouse. I, I confess. Uh, it's my confession. But the retreat is supposed to take us away from what we want to do. We want to be entertained. We want to do pleasant things. We want to have a little fun, especially these days. I can't keep the phone away from my son for 10 seconds. If I take the phone away, his thumbs are still doing this, like this, for hours. We want to get stimulated. We want our dopamine trip. And this is the opposite. So what is the lesson here? There are things in life that are really unpleasant, painful, bad for the body. And I wish I could take that away from everybody. But sometimes, you know, I can't. And uh, life is really hard sometimes. But there are other things we can control that are right up here between the ears. I like to say pain is pain. And if your legs hurt during Zazen, to a certain degree, we learn to put up with it because we learned how much is the part that's just up here between the ears. That you can control. If you say, oh, my leg is just not feeling so good. You magnify it 10 times between the ears. That's the part we can control. You see. Now, if your legs really get bad, you move them. I had a leg cramp today. I put my leg out. You know, it's very cold in here. My muscle locked up. I moved my leg. I didn't try to sit there, you know, grimacing uh, with the pain. But other things we learn that disturbance is you being disturbed. We have situations in life, but they're not good or bad until your mind resists. So that part, we can learn to control it. The tip I give you is this. I learned many years ago, uh, I encourage you not only do four hours, do a week's retreat as soon as you know the world opens up again. Two weeks, if you can. Go someplace, go to a, a retreat. And when you're in the retreat, you're going to find, boy, there are times, oh, I want to go home. It's miserable. Why am I doing this? And you find a little switch inside. And when you flip that switch, you can go from, Oh, this is, uh, I hate this. Where am I here? To, hey, this is great. I feel this is the only place I want to be. Yeah. I discovered that on a retreat many, many years ago on about the third day. I wanted to go home. I was miserable. Let me, but let me see if there's like a little button I can push inside and just change my mind. What does it feel like to like love it here? Oh, hey, man. Okay. This is cool. I like it. Let me flip that again. Oh, I'm miserable. Yeah. Yeah. This is terrible. I'm bored. Wait. Yeah. And I discovered there's actually like a little button inside. I could recreate the feeling of what it is to be content and at peace. I just remember, what does it feel like to be content and at peace? And I said, let me feel that now. Push the button. Oh, yeah, content, at peace. I remember what that feeling is. Let me pretend, even if it's a kind of pretend for a second, let me pretend I know what that is. And I sat there, and the retreat was great. And every time I start to fall back in, oh, man, they're serving the same food again with the oreoche, and I got a chant for 20. Let me, okay, man, it's beautiful. Yeah, It's good. It's good. Find that button. The resistance is not outside you. The re- what I'm trying to say is the resistance is not objective. There are some things that are like, you know, real pain or a real terrible situation. Sorry about that. But so much of it, find the subjective part and find the, uh, where's my uh, remote control? Find the little remote control with the dimmer switch on it, you know, and you can turn up and down a lot of these emotions about resistance and find the contentment. Okay. Especially when the teacher gives these long, boring talks, and you say, "Why am I here?" Remember, right now you can be, you know, completely at home. Okay. Speaking of my long, boring talk, today's subject is again Vimalakirti. Kirti is uh, the sutra that has been so popular with lay people. We're going to see why. First off, uh, Kirti was a lay man, very businessman, kind of wealthy, like a lot of the people who were the donors and supporters of Buddhism back in the day. And that's why they found uh, a lot to relate to with Ramilla Kirti, because he was also a upper, upper middle way like they were. Uh, and also today we're going to see a section that kind of say, says, women can do this too, you know, which was very appealing to the women who in traditional society didn't get t- told that a lot, you know, that, Hey, the, the women are doing it too they didn't get t- t- told that a lot in old China and India and places like that so here's a sutra that kind of uh you know says uh, you guys are uh you you guys are right up there you you can practice uh, like the the like the best of them and for that reason this sutra became popular for so many years now the sutra is a grab bag I gotta tell you I, I could spend weeks on just A small section because it tends to have so much in there. I kind of doubt sometimes it was written by one person. It was written by one person just pulling in so many different things. Sometimes they they seem even a bit conflicting. Not really if you you look at him. He's got a central theme, the author, whoever wrote this. But it's so much. It's such a grab bag that all I can do is pull out some highlights for you. And that's, again, what I, I did today. Now, the first one this is about how does the bodhisattva regard living beings? And Vanilakirti replied, As a conjurer looks on the beings he conjures up. In other words, something that looks real, yet not. A phantom, a phantasm. A Thus does the bodhisattva regard living beings as the wise view the moon in the water, just a reflection of something. Or a face or form seen in a mirror. As shimmers of heat in a torrid season. You know that illusion when you're on the road and you see the shimmers of heat down the road. It looks like there's water down at the end of the road, but it's not there. There's something there, but it's not real. As the echo that follows a cry, as clouds in the sky, something very temporary, too, something just passing, momentary conditions, as foam on the water, bubbles on the water, as a thing no firmer than the trunk of the planton. I'm not sure what the trunk of the planton works. I've seen banana trees, but I take it the the, the planton, the banana plant really has no trunk, perhaps, something like that. No longer lasting than a flash of lightning as a fifth grade element. Now that one, you know, they used to think before they had the periodic table that uh, the earth was made of uh, four elements. This was true in Europe and in, in Asia. Uh, uh, earth, wind, fire, and earth. Earth, wind, fire, and earth. By the way, what you, that band. Okay, you had Earth, Wind, and Fire. What happened to Earth? Did they have a fourth guy like, you know, the, the fifth beetle? They let go. It's like, we're going to be Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, you know the band, I mean. It's in September, 21st, of September. You know the band, Earth, Wind, Fire? What happened to Earth? Or no, Earth, Wind, Fire, Water, I mean. What happened to water? They let water go. Where did water go? Okay, anyway, one of the great mysteries. But in this, it's saying like having the fifth grade element, he meant something that doesn't really exist because there's only four elements. They thought it's like having things on the periodic table that are not there. Thus does the Bodhisattva regard living beings. So all of you, did you realize that you're just these ephemeral beings? You're, you're kind of a phantasm. You're, you're not really as real as you think you are. This is an important Buddhist lesson. He's not saying, by the way, it's just nothing. There's nothing there. It's just you go into some kind of empty. They used to use the word for this, the void. And, and people don't do that anymore because it was very deceptive. It sounds like there, there's nothing left. But when you give up your sense of, of being a, a separate being, it's kind of a this illusion. You find something else, a kind of moreness, a wholeness to it. So that's what he's pointing to. But yet if he's saying that, hey, these sentient beings are all kind of an illusion, why, do, why are we bothering with this practice? Why is he bothering to, to preach? Why would you bother to preach to something that's not there? And you always find in anywhere in Zen, in Mahayana Buddhism, that you're always looking at these things two ways at once, right? You're not there, but yet you are. All these practices are an illusion, yet we should practice them. He's going to say, good good and bad are also between the ears, yet be good. You see, this is what we do. If you just stick with the rules or the good and bad, or I'm separate from you, that's a partial view, and that's the causes trouble. If you go the other way, oh, nothing exists, nothing means anything, it's all just the big chaos. No, that's not good either. But when you put the two views together, this is wisdom, you see. So all this mess inside the Vimalakirti Sutra, it's always hammering on the same point. The same point. Find these, you we say, two views that are not two, like that. Okay. So Manjusri says, if the Bodhisattva looks on beings in this way, like a fantasy, how can he treat them with compassion? And Vimilakirti replied, when the Bodhisattva has finished regarding them in this way, he thinks to themselves, for the sake of living beings, I must preach the law to them. This is true compassion. The law here means the Dharma. So even though they're all fantasies, still they're not, and I must preach to them. What does a lot of that preaching consist of? Basically, what I just told you, these two views that are one. Guys, you're not as real as you think you are. But that's a good thing, not a bad thing. A lot of people say if you tell me I'm not real, I had a, a actually I, I have to warn some people, they're very fragile in self-identity. Oh, I'm afraid to lose myself. No, no, no. We find something when we lose this. We don't lose ourselves; We discover how to say something more. That's what he's preaching is the dharma. It's not a loss so much as a loss of ignorance and the gain of something wonderful. So the Bodhisattva treats them with a compassion of tranquil extinction. I had to look at uh, Robert Thurman's translation of that because... Tranquil extinction, notice it says extinction, but that's what I was talking about. You lose all this sense of separateness, but what you find is then a certain tranquility and peace of the wholeness, you see. So tranquil extinction is a hard word. I don't like that extinction. I think uh, Robert Thurman says something like uh, tranquil liberation or or, uh, something like that, letting go. Uh, liberating. I forget the word he used. For it results in no birth. But again, this no birth does not mean you were never born. It means something beyond birth and death. It doesn't mean that we're all not going to die someday in these forms. It means that there's something more than death. More. You're not losing. You're not losing here. It's a win-win situation. So it results in no birth. No birth means something beyond birth. He treats them with a compassion unburning. That means uh, the senses are always burning. Our heart is always burning. Like Billy Joel sang. This is my second 1980s reference today. You know, it's always, always burning. You know that song? You know, the world is burning, I forget. You do post it later, right? Please. Earthwind if you can. And the earth, wind, and fire, too. Uh, so uh, it's an unburning. It doesn't mean you know, people think Buddhism is the complete cooling of the of our emotions where everything is just becomes like a, a dead campfire. No. It becomes the light, but the, the the raging fire vanishes you see he treats them with a compassion that is impartial equanimous is how robert thurman said it's equanimous in the in the in all time is how this uh, robert thurman put this one it's equanimous about things that happened in the past it's equanimous about conditions in the present it's equanimous about whatever will happen in the future You accept the past, accept the present, you flow with the future. You see, our compassion, people think that compassion means in Buddhism, throw your arm around somebody and let them cry on your shoulder. Yes, we're that compassionate too. But compassion in Buddhism, Mahayana Buddhism, means to teach this liberation of emptiness, which is everything, wholeness. I'm compassionate to you, not because I, I don't feel sorry you, you lost a loved one, you're, uh, uh, something tragic happened in your life. I'm, I feel my heart breaks. But at the same time, the gift that I can give you is to see something beyond that. That's Buddhist compassion. That's what he's doing here. So we're teaching equanimity about the past, equanimity about the present, equanimity about the future. He treats them with a compassion free of contention, free of, uh, you know, we we live in a world. I, you know, right now I'm in a thing with Dosho Port. He he says, you got to go have a big uh, Satori. And I say, no, you don't understand Shikantaza. We contend. We have opinions. We have views. At the same time, please know what is beyond all views. Because if you do Dosho Port's way, which is a great way, by the way, I don't want anyone to understand that. It's a great way for those people. But if you do the Shikantaza way, too, it actually gets to the same non-place. You know, you take the high road and I'll take the low road. Put that up, too, Beyond. Right? So it gets to the same non-place where there's no contention, no opinions. We we dispute, we have opinions on the way to get to the place of no opinions. We Zen folks are crazy. Okay? So you, you have the compassion free of contention, for nothing arises to oppose it. Treat the bodhisattva treats them with a compassion undualistic. There it is. For internal and external, subjective and objective have no place in it. Me, you, mine, my feelings, the world. That drops away, and what is left? Something good. We don't think it's it's neutral or meaningless. We think it's something good, peaceful, because there's no contention. There's no dispute, no conflict there anymore. Okay. Okay. Dropping down to another section of uh, this chapter. And this shows where the dividing mind comes from and all our sor- sor- sorrows. And the bodhisattva, it's a... Uh, uh, very much related to the, uh, the tenfold path, the, the tenfold of uh, 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 co-arising factors that lead to us to divide the world into pieces. And he's kind of saying where all, all the trouble of the mind comes from. Let's go through this. If he hopes to rely on the power of the Tathagata's blessings, the Bodhisattva, he should devote himself to saving and liberating all living beings. And Manjuzi said, if he hopes to save li- living beings, what must he free them from? And Vimilakirti said, if he hopes to save living beings, he must free them from earthly desires. I want, I want, I want. Okay. Manjuzi said, hey, these guys always repeat themselves. Instead of so saying, like, what does that mean? He's got to repeat the whole sentence. So I got to Manjuzi said, if he hopes to free them from earthly desires, how should he proceed? Vramilakirti says he should proceed by the method of correct mindfulness, which I would translate here as something like correctly understanding how the mind works, correctly being aware of what your of the tricks your mind does. And Benjuji says, What's that? I, I summarized. And says, one proceeds on the premise of no birth, no extinction. Again, leaping beyond birth and death, leaping beyond coming and going, which is also leaping beyond this and that, me and you, right and wrong, because it's the mind that is making all these categories, divisions, frictions, tensions, me and you, me to conflict with you, me to disagree with you, me and Doshaport, me and, Koan study or Shikantaza, all these methods, dividing, 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 friend and enemy. uh, I'm sorry to say even uh, all the countries, uh, even Ukraine and Russia, uh, all these are people doing this, dividing the world. The world has no Ukraine and Russia. Ukraine and Russia are two places that you draw a border on a map and there you got tension, mine and yours. And I want yours because give it to me. There you go. I don't want to give it to you. We leap beyond all this to find something more. That doesn't mean, by the way, again, that doesn't mean that we realize this and all the tensions of the world vanish. It means we see them from another angle. The problems still remain, but we see through them to, uh, how to say, a greater wisdom. So, one proceeds on the premise of no birth and no extinction. And then manjuji said, what has no birth and what has no extinction? And Vimalakirti says, the not good, which actually just means the bad, the bad has no birth, the good has no extinction. Which again means, we live in a world of good and bad because our heart, we're human beings, we must judge good and bad. Uh, this week we had a cat in our neighborhood, uh, got hit by a car. It was my neighbor, my, my my friend's wife, actually widow because he passed away. So my friend's widow's cat broke my heart to see. It was a bad thing. And yet I stood up there, we did a little funeral for the cat. All the neighbors came, I put on my robes and I chanted the, the heart suture for the cat there. It was really nice. And the kids are there. They're crying. It's a, It was a bad, terrible moment. And I chant the heart Sutra, which says, look beyond this. Look beyond this. Look here. Here's the whole heart suture. Look beyond this. Look beyond this. Look beyond this. Look beyond this. Look beyond. I, why don't we just replace the heart Sutra next time with just that section? Look beyond this. Look beyond. By the way, it's nice cover today. I noticed you started with the English. You went right into the Japanese. I, I barely noticed the beautiful transition there. Segashi, lovely, beautiful. Uh, Segashi started with our English Heart Sutra and then he caught himself right, right in the middle of Avalokita's Canon. <laughs> Avalokita Canon Bodhisattva. Yes, it was beautiful. Okay. So that's what we do. We still live in a world of good and bad and like, but right and wrong, but we see through it and we learn to moderate our, our desires as well. Okay. Turn them in good way. Now let's get to the the uh, the last part of this, where the goddess comes in. I got to get through this quick. I'm I, I, I uh... at the time there was a heavenly being, a goddess, in Vamila Kirti's room, who, seeing these great men and hearing them expound the law, proceeded to make herself visible and, taking heavenly flowers, scattered them over the. Uh, the bodhisattvas, and the the practitioners of the the uh, or early Buddhism, you know, the Arhats. And the Arhats are panicking. Oh, there's flowers on me because they're not supposed to decorate themselves. I'm going to just summarize the story instead of reading the whole thing. Okay? So she puts these flowers out. I've told you every time we've looked at Vermilakirti, please take this like... It was done by George Lucas. By um, by the way, I'm now w- watching Boba Fett, the new Star Wars show. You know, not bad. I'm a Star Wars fan. Not bad, but it's all this, you know, s- special effects and crazy characters. This is just the same. But there's a real lesson here. But there, it's a, it's a it's a story, right? So this goddess comes, and she flowers appear everywhere, and the Arhats and uh, and Indian. Uh, vehicle priests are f- freaking out because they're not supposed to decorate themselves. Oh, I'm not supposed to be decorated. I'm not supposed to have garlands, I think they say. and and, uh, and, uh, and But the Bodhisattvas, the flowers come and they just fall off and the Bodhisattvas are fine with it. But they both have this rule, you're not supposed to decorate yourself with flowers, right? So her point is, if you get caught in the rule, you're a prisoner. But if you abide by the spirit of the rule, the flowers are never attached to you because you're not attached to them. Okay, you got the point? You got the point? So we keep over. This doesn't mean thus that you can break all the rules. You cannot go to the other extreme. It means you must use these rules wisely. Don't be a prisoner of the rules. Don't be a prisoner of just uh, your desires and being a libertine. Just uh, doing whatever you wish, taking drugs and drinking and partying and having uh, wild time all the time. Wisely, wisely. Now, let's get to the part about the women. So, Shariputra says to the goddess, "Uh, goddess, you know, uh, let me fill this in, by the way. Women uh, in traditional Buddhism were not supposed to be able to become a Buddha until they became a man. Some of our women know this. Okay, I'm sorry, you're going to have to become a guy before you, you got a chance to buddhahood. Fortunately, you got, you know, many lives to do that. You, you know I don't believe that, by the way. I'm just being, you know. But that's kind of what this was about here. So Sharaputra says, hey, a goddess, why don't you change out of this female body? Uh, he, I think he thinks the god gets to choose what he appears to be. So why did he appear to be a woman? Oh, Shonen! You too, man. Uh, sorry, you you need to sit at the back of the Zoom room. That's a, another joke. The women sat behind the men traditionally. You had laymen. You had you had male monks behind the male monks would sit the female monks beside the female monks would sit the lay men, and then beso- behind them in the cheap seats would sit the woman. It was like uh, I go to a, a Jewish Orthodox temple and they also all, also have the women on one side behind a veil and the, the men on the other side. Many religions did this. Um, so anyway, the goddess said, huh, what is there to change? Shocking for something written about 2,000 years ago. If a sorcerer were to conjure up a phantom woman and then someone asked her why she didn't change out her her female body, would that be any kind of reasonable question? At that time, the goddess employed her supernatural powers to change Sharaputra into a goddess like herself. Huh? It's like that movie, you know, where the, the guy comes back and he's his, the woman, you know, and he's. Got what? Okay. Well, she took on Sharaputra's form. And then she asked, okay, big shot, why don't you change out of a female body? Now, Sharaputra, now in the form of a goddess, replied, I, I don't know why I have suddenly t- changed and taken on a female body. Where did all my parts go? And why do I have all these extra parts? I guess you saying, you know. And the goddess said, Sharaputra, if you can change out of this female body, then all women can change likewise. Sharaputra, who is not a woman, appears in a woman's body. And the same is true of all women. Though they appear in women's bodies, they are not women. Therefore, the Buddha teaches that all phenomena are neither male nor female. Asterisk here, There has been some criticism of this lesson by some who are interested in Buddhism and feminism, like the great Rita Gross, who said, you know, she's not actually holding up the women as much as saying that there's no men or women. It's a slightly different interpretation, if you get the drift. She's not saying women are good. She's saying it's an illusion to be both. I still think it's a good lesson, but I leave it to each of you. Then the goddess withdrew her supernatural powers and Sharaputra returned to his original form. The goddess said to Sharaputra, where now is the form and shape of your female body? Sharaputra said, the form and shape of my female body does not exist, yet does not not exist. That's the kind of thing that we the Buddhists say. The goddess said, all things are just like that. They do not exist yet they do not not exist. And I guess they also do not not, 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 not exist. And they do not, 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 not exist. You got it? And that they do not exist, yet do not not exist, is exactly what the Buddha teaches. The women... Of old India and China, who read that, go. You got a girl, okay. Go, goddess. Go, goddess. Right. You show that guy. There are several stories. There's one in the Lotus Sutra too, that's like that, where the 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 male takes on the female body for a while, and in that one, it's still not clear. Does that mean that a woman could attain Buddha? Buddhahood. This seems to be saying, yeah, it makes no difference when you realize something beyond male and female. It's liberation. Asterisk, but the uh, opposite is also true too. The separation, while it's a phantom, is also real and use it well. So if you're a woman, oh, that's fantastic. Be a great woman. If you're a man, be a great man. And these Days, you know, even then, they they had this male or female. Now we know that maybe that's not so clear. So whatever your gender or identity, and it could be many, be that, but be a good person. Maybe that's the central lesson of all Mahayana. Whoever you are, whatever you are, do no harm. Be who you are. Use your instrument well. Don't be attached and and cling to all these divisions and separation and your sense of self identity. But at the same time, the separations and opinions and differences and good and bad are real. Use them wisely. That's the whole lesson. Okay. Okay, gods and goddesses. Any questions? Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.